Iving Outside Sales podcast, I sat down with my father, Ray O'Kelly, career sales pro, who I witnessed every single day when I was a kid, getting up at the crack of dawn, getting home late, organizing his car, doing his reports, studying journals, doing everything he could to provide for the family, uh, optimize his time out in the field, and be the best that he could be. I hope you really enjoy listening to my dad's story. The audio is not great. I just want to warn you right now, the audio is not as great as I would like it to be because it was on site and it was, I was using a lav mic for the first time and I'm not a professional interviewer, so I don't know how to check levels, et cetera. So please bear with it. But Everything that my father talked about is still true today. The principles, how you treat people, the way you attack your business, everything is timeless. So I hope you really enjoy. It's going to be a three-part series uh, interview with my father, a little over two hours. We're going to go through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and the aught decade as well. And hopefully you learned as much as I did uh, uh, talking with my father. So without further ado, let's go to the episode intro the surviving outside sales podcast hosted by mike o'kelly presented by rhythm ai the goal is to get in dominate then get out surviving outside sales on with the show welcome to the surviving outside sales podcast i'm your host mike o'kelly and today i'm on site this is the first time i have never i have not been in front of a computer so i'm here with uh, my father, Ray O'Kelly, the uh, sales professional I saw growing up. And so this is going to be the interview of his motivations, what got him into sales, and um, see if there's any stories that might pop up that might have led me to get into sales as, as well. But um, dad, how are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. Great. Um, we're coming to you live from Indian land, South Carolina, which is just outside of Charlotte, uh, where I live. So I hopped on down here to do a face to face. And so here we are. So dad, I've, I've mentioned to the audience that, you know, been in sales your entire life, uh, a large chunk of it in the pharmaceutical realm, but let's go way back and let's go back to the beginning because, you know, sales wasn't always going to be your plan. Other people were pushing you into doing something. So talk about... Well, actually, actually, uh, as I'm thinking back, uh, at an early age, uh, I took a great pride in selling uh, like um, uh, Easter eggs and Christmas candy for the Boy Scouts. Mm -hmm. And and I would, would go door to door. And then over the period of time, I built up a uh, a client base, you might say, and so uh, uh, I knew who could buy from me and who wouldn't. And uh, but uh, I I really started back then. I won an award in in uh, well actually elementary school for selling the most magazines, uh, and it just uh, it just seemed normal for me to be out. Selling, uh, and so do you believe you were born a salesman? No, I, mm. I think I was born with the ability mm. to. 
I, I don't, I don't think that salesmen are born. Mm, I agree. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, as witnessed by, uh, the many sales books that I, that I read when I was in pharmaceuticals, mm -hmm. um, I had a boss tell me one time, he said, uh, uh, have you read any sales books lately? And I went, I looked at him like he was from Mars. And uh, <clears throat> I said, well, no. And he said, well, you need to because that's, that's what you do. You sell. And um, you can learn a lot and, and, and progress in, in sales. You don't know how many um, ideas that you can pick up from reading a sales book. Mm -hmm. And it also it's, it refreshes your mind. So I started out, you know, uh, being, um, being happy uh, when I did sell. And um, so my father worked for the, um, the uh, Veterans Administration and <clears throat> he did a good job, got promoted. And he, he um, and, it, and it didn't interest me. But actually, uh, my uncle Charles, Uncle Charles Clad, uh, my father's uh, sister's husband, um, he always had new clothes, new cars. He bought his. He, they bought a real nice house, and <clears throat> they. Uh, uh, he he always had money to spend, uh, and I thought, well, I I. I want to take a look at that uh, when I get out of the service. Uh, and of course I had to, uh, I uh, um, served in Vietnam uh, and uh, after I got out, um, I, I turned down uh, a career in uh, the Army, uh, a light colonel and a full colonel, wanted to pin uh, uh, captain's bars on my lapel. And I said, no, I'm going to go out and get a sales job. <laughs> so, so even, uh, so, you know, the joke in sales is nobody really, uh, goes to school for sales. Nobody thinks of it. You just kind of fall into yeah, it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, Here you yeah. are in the military Yeah, yeah. and uh, you're like, no, I don't want to be a captain. I'm yeah. going to go sell. Right. <laughs> you didn't know what you're going to sell. You I, just I, wanted I to go sell. Know. I didn't know exactly. So where'd you go from there? Okay. So then, uh, back in the States, I applied for sales jobs with Addressograph um, Multigraph, selling copiers and duplicators. Uh, and, the copier, the copier uh -huh. start. Okay. Oh yeah, and but Xerox was at top of the mountain, uh, and uh, you couldn't get those jobs. I mean, yeah, they were like hen's teeth. They didn't exist. Uh, well, they did exist for just a few salesmen, and I couldn't get in. Uh, I tried Pitney Bowes too. I couldn't get in there, and, and that was a popular sales job because office equipment. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I thought I'd have no problem doing that, but I just didn't. Uh, I didn't uh, go in that direction. But my my uh, uncle Charles Clad and my recently uh, uh, father-in-law. Uh, recent father-in-law, uh, both said, well, why don't you check into A.H. Uh, Robbins? Uh, you're, you're down there in Richmond, and that's where they're located. 
And I, th- I said, well, they're both successful salespeople. My uh, father-in-law, uh, he became a director of sales for uh, a middle, middle-sized uh, corporation. And my uncle Charles, who was a, a vice president of um, a chemical company, small chemical company. Uh, and uh, I said, well, you know, I think I'm going to take somebody else's advice for a change, you know, because uh, I, I really wasn't uh, hitting on uh, something, I think, that had a future. <clears throat> but I did know that pharmaceuticals had a future. And, uh, and this is, so just to give a timeline, so we're talking about the 70s, correct? Yes. yes. So, you know, pharmaceuticals back then was not, you know, you were there when the evolution of the pharmaceutical sales industry kind of began, mm-hmm. got very popular, and oh, yeah. then the boom in the 90s and the mm-hmm. aught decade. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to give the listeners a little bit of a time frame that pharmaceuticals was not necessarily something that everybody knew about. It was it was a it was a uh, growing industry. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And it was a niche uh, career, but. I, I, I uh, knew fellows that had uh, Upjohn contracts, like for half of Virginia and whatnot. Of course, they pulled all those back uh, as soon as the salesman uh, retired or died. Uh, and, uh, but uh, as a rule, pharmaceutical reps were well paid. Mm. And uh, they gave us a car. Uh, and health insurance uh, benefits, and, and um, they matched uh, up to, I think, uh, half of 11% uh, on the, or on the uh, stock exchange. Mm. Uh, and so uh, we built up a little nest egg real quickly with, for that. I said quickly, you know, in 20 years, you... You could be sitting on, on a like a retirement, mm. but also uh, at that time they, they gave a retirement. Yeah. So I had the investments on one side, and I had the uh, retirement on the other. So um, I I didn't retire like a king, but I I retired comfortably mm-hmm. in in terms of uh, money coming in. So. Um, which of course now they don't have, you know. No. And so no, they, you didn't use the word, the P word, but I'll say it, pension. They, oh, you know, they, yeah. they they don't offer those anymore. Right. And those are mm-hmm. that is what oh, I think yeah. there was a couple decade period where it was the best of all worlds. Oh yeah. But you know, companies saw you as an investment. So mm-hmm. all right, so yeah. you're at AH Robbins, what were you doing there? What were you selling? And who were you yeah. selling to? Yeah, I was selling to at AH Robbins, I was selling to uh, various specialties, uh, non-surgical specialties, um, and uh, family doctors mostly. Uh, they had a, a little book which was real popular, the Robbins Reader, mm-hmm. and um, it, it was it, it was really a good publication, and the doctors uh, really loved it. And of course, you know the primary. I mean, well. It, the uh, G- the GPs uh, liked it, and of course the GPs uh, evolved into 
family practitioners. Mm -hmm. uh, they did a family practitioner uh, residency. Uh, and then now your primary care doctors, uh, for example, I have one who's an internist. Mm -hmm. And the internists uh, are fairly, pretty, pretty skilled in, in disease state recognition. So, um, and treatment, yeah. but uh, it 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 uh, it was a a real exciting time, uh, and we uh, we 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 called on a, a very intelligent uh, uh, populace. Mm -hmm. the doctors were very smart, but um, <clears throat> I think that it. It uh, was a challenge, uh, but uh, with when I went in, I I was like a detail man. They call them detail men. Mm -hmm. uh, I I would detail the product and then drop it uh, and let them make up their own minds. But as we went along, we using pretty good sales techniques. Uh, features, advantages, and benefits, and inquiry, uh, and reference to literature, medical literature, which is an educational component of what you did on your time off or whatever. Um, you you started, and I started a conversation with the physician, uh, and I schooled myself to become a. Um, actually a partner in his, in his, uh, in his company, like got away from being a salesman to a, uh, a partner. Mm -hmm. By that, I brought information to him, which he may have not known of, or really didn't discuss and, uh, the origin of which, uh, so I had to keep up with the, uh, the medical journals. Uh, and um, pretty soon, I found it very challenging to uh, take a physician who, uh, who, when the first I would present a product, they went, "Oh no, no, I'm not going to. I've got this other company product that that I use all the time," and uh, try to develop that uh, from nothing to to uh, to something. Uh, and uh, but it was a real uh, it was a real challenging uh, time, and um, the more I read about uh, about selling, uh, and I I learned to soft sell, uh, and uh, that all, always worked well with physicians. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the reps would become frustrated, and they would push pretty hard some of which uh, the physician did not like. and um, But in the end, uh, sales really became a consultant. Uh, I, I sold my service, my knowledge, and, and that's, that's what I'm most proud of. Yeah, the bringing value to the office. Oh, yeah. So if you weren't there, that physician, that office was missing something. Right. And that really is something that, you know, you, you, I know today in the outside sales world, there's a lot of struggle with 
what exactly you should be doing in the offices or what you should be doing in front of buyers in general. Right. right. And it's bringing value. I see. It's yeah, bringing right. value. Mm-hmm. It's not just walking yeah. in. Like you said, it went from the evolution of detail man yeah. where you just went in and you probably had five or six things. The company said, talk about this every time. Yeah, right. And it evolved into being a consultant right. where exactly. they needed Ray O'Kelly to be right. in the office exactly. because they needed to know what was in the medical journals. They need to know what was happening right. outside of their business, outside of right. their world. Because if you're listening now, uh, I don't know the age of the listeners, but in the 70s, there obviously was no internet. <laughs> and these things were not talked about. There was no LinkedIn. There was no social media. There was no way to get information quickly mm-hmm. from point A to point B. Yeah. It really happened in one-on-one conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. So take us back to staying with Robbins. Were there a lot of industries where people got company cars? Or is it basically, if you had a company car, you were like the top 1% of perks in the professional world at that time. Because now a lot of companies give company cars, they do reimbursements. Basically anybody who's on the road gets paid somehow for their car. Yeah. Was that was that normal back in the 70s? Or was um, it just exclusive to like the medical industry? Um, I, I don't know if it was exclusive, but um, it, it, it certainly uh, was attractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the first car you got? It was a Ford LTD. <laughs> I don't even know what that. Oh, okay. a Ford LTD was yeah, that? Right. Was that oh, like yeah. the precursor of the Taurus? Uh, was I, it a two door? What what color was no, it? Well, I think it was maybe four door. Uh, it was uh, like baby blue and white, mm-hmm. white uh, uh, hood and a white cab, and then baby blue on the bottom, mm-hmm. and uh, I. I used to leave to go to West Virginia, where I was going out there sometimes for four days at a time. And uh, the, the back end of my uh, car was sunk down. Until <laughs> down? Because, well, so many well, because a, a. H. Robbins had a lot of liquids. Oh. And Dimetane, Donagel, Robitussin. Uh, Dimacol, uh, Dimatab, and um, and that was heavy. Yeah, that was really heavy. So, at any rate, by the time by the time Thursday came around, uh, uh, my my car looked like like Got a lighter. normal car. But uh, that was kind of a funny thing. Where was your uh, so? Where was your territory? So, it... uh, with A. Robbins, it started out in um, Roanoke. Okay. Roanoke, and uh, that was, and then uh, half of the territory actually was in West Virginia. Mm. Uh, what cities? Beckley, uh, let's see, Bluefield, Princeton. <laughs> All uh, the places I played in the. Uh, oh in, yeah, in, uh, for the for the Danville Braves, yeah. Oh yeah. Beckley. Yeah. Right. Princeton, Bluefield, so, yeah. Well, the people the people were great though. Uh, uh, the, the uh, pharmacists were great. The mm-hmm. doctors were great. Very helpful people. Uh, and uh, they like to see you succeed. So that helped me mm-hmm. uh, and uh, get my feet wet. So where did so let's go back to the car real quick because I just want to show kind of the differences. So oh, okay. did, you, did you get a call and say, hey, show up to this dealership and get the car? Did the car? Was the car delivered to the house? Where did you get the car? Was it brand new? 
Yes. Okay. It's brand new. So where where did you go? Went to the dealership. The dealership? Okay. Yeah, right. So you went to the Ford dealership and you said, hey, I'm here for my company car. Oh, yeah. And they had it all shined, ready to go. Oh, yeah. Was there a bow on it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it should have been. Because uh, uh, Jen and I, uh, we had a, a personal car, mm-hmm. which uh, we had had uh, challenges with cars not breaking down. Mm-hmm. And uh, so at any rate, I, st- I stepped into the Holy Land, so to speak, mm. uh, when I got into pharmaceuticals. And... Uh, you know, I I started to buy really fine clothing, mm-hmm. and uh, which I kind of patterned after my uncle Charles, Charlie, um, and uh, Hart Schaffner and Mark's suits. Uh, but in, in any case, um, well, I remember I going, upgraded. Huh? Yeah, I remember going into your closet as a kid, which was years later, uh-huh. and I remember seeing like thirty different suits in there, <laughs> which you know I never bought that many, but yeah, I just right. remember suits on suits on suits, ties oh, yeah. on ties on ties, and um, well, but I, I grew, I grew during that period. Yeah, <laughs> so I would grow out of those suits and and into larger ones, but uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. and so that you'd be on the road, you'd be staying in hotels. Uh, would there be a per diem from the uh, company? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, there was. And uh, so, how would you find these offices? Put oh, us into context, because now obviously oh, okay. it's with Google that, technology. That, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, <clears throat> I can remember coming into a town, a moderate-sized town, <clears throat> and getting a, a phone book. <laughs> yeah. And I would, yeah, and I made make uh, uh, three by four, five uh, by five cards out on the physicians, and um, and then uh, of course uh, I wanted to know what physicians uh, did the most business mm-hmm. uh, and had the biggest practices, and also had the biggest application for my for my product. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you were establishing an ideal customer profile. Oh, oh, oh that's true. Yeah. That's very true. So where would you get the phone book? Where, where would you have to go to get, like, would you go to the telephone company? Um, did you go to the city hall? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I would do the city hall thing. Okay. You know, and go to administration. And uh, Was it free? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you got this big, thick book. And so you'd have to go to every well, city? or the thick one would be, like, Richmond, you know. Okay. But yeah. You know. Oh yeah. This is, so West Virginia was you know smaller, but right. so you'd have to go to every city. What about every town? Like if you went to Beckley, would it have the outskirts, or would you have to go to every little municipal building? Like if some 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 town that had a thousand people, did you have to go to that get that phone book, or was it one of those things where there was crossover? Like how many phone books did you have to get? Um, just one in each location. Um, and then I, I did for a long time, I saved the books, but then after a certain time, mm-hmm. I, I felt like I could write the book. Gotcha. You know, so you had a, you had stacks of phone books from each territory. Well, uh, over, over the time. Yeah. Because I had different territories. Like, you know, it, uh, they put me where they wanted me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, not necessarily where I wanted to be, mm-hmm. but uh, because when I started out to West Virginia, uh, 
I was advised there's a lot of poverty and all, and but the greatest people, medical, pharmaceutical, uh, pharmacy, pharmacists, uh, the soul of the earth, they'd help you out and, and help me out. Small towns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, my career, small towns, I lived in small towns. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. They were, that was where a large majority of my business came from, oh, okay. was small towns. Uh-huh. And I don't know why, but I'd, like you said, salt of the earth, just they're looking for help. There's no preconceived notions. Um, right. But, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. So you, you, you're showing up to towns, you're grabbing phone books, you've got three by five cards. Your car just must have been like a big filing cabinet. Where you were just you were making notes and it was it was like you were a record keeper, yeah. Um, which it sounds like you spent a majority of your time. So what would the day? What would your day look like? Try to go back. So you're you're well, you're, you're in a you're in a hotel. You wake up. Let's say you've already gotten to the town. You yeah. wake up and you've got all these three by five cards. Yeah. You probably need to go buy those paper maps, right? Because uh, you don't know how to get to places. Yes, that's true. That's <laughs> true. Uh, now I have to say the pharmacist were of good help because they knew right where the doctor was. Mm -hmm. Surviving Outside Sales podcast is brought to you by Rhythm AI. If you are in outside sales, check out RhythmAI.com. That's R-I-T-H-M-A-I.com. The sales enablement tool that will help outside sales teams build their best sales days every day. Rhythm, prospecting, targeting, and routing simplified. Everything an outside sales team needs, nothing it doesn't. Try for $1 for the first month today. That's RhythmAI.com. Now back to the show. So you're in your car. You've got maps. You've got note. You've got phone books. You've got uh, note cards with all your little notes. So you get. let's say you get to, you leave the hotel in the morning and you... You know you're going to your first place. Yeah, and with uh, A.H. Robbins, uh, we would call on uh, two uh, dentists uh, before we began calling in phys- MD physicians. Why is that? Uh, we had a couple products okay. that, that the dentist could uh, prescribe. Uh, now, they wanted you every day to call the dentist first? Yeah. Was that like a warm-up? Uh well, it's because that's the only time the dentist w- would be available. Okay. First thing in the morning. First thing in the morning. So you were catching them at the right time. Oh, exactly. Yep. That's a theme we talk about all the time is catching buyers oh, at the right time. Exactly. It's not about when you're available. It's about when they're available. They are available. So, exactly. okay. So you, you yeah. see the dentist early in the morning before they get started, and then you move on to the general practitioners, the family medicine, yeah. uh, well, internists. Probably. Uh, we, we had to see about, uh, I think we were a basic requirement to call on two pharmacies a day. Okay. So in the early, like you're talking about 820 in the morning, 825, uh, going into the pharmacy, the, the pharmacists are not real busy yet and you could talk to them and uh, get some feedback. Uh, and at first, um, we could go behind the counter and, uh, Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You can't do that anymore. No. Right. Exactly. So, uh, but <clears throat> we, we, we had 
relationships with the pharmacists, especially the non-chain pharmacists. Chain pharmacists, they didn't see themselves as a, uh, a voluntary part of the community. It was like a nine to five job, mm. you know, and, and uh, what were the chain pharmacies back then? Cause I know, you know, was it uh, people's drug became CVS? Yeah. It, I mean, there was no, yeah, there's no Walgreens. There's no CVS. Oh, no. All right. Um, there, there was, um, Kroger. Okay. They were in the Kroger stores. Wow. Okay. And, and yeah. Uh, and of course you had Revco. Okay. Uh, that was totally independent of anything. Uh, the Revco's usually stood alone, uh, and um, so, but there, but the pharmacist would have a uh, be a great resource for information, mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, um, we could uh, a, a, an account said, "Oh, I prescribe it all the time," and uh, we check with the pharmacist and said, "We've never seen a prescription for <laughs> <of> that," <laughs> and I went, oh, "Okay." Yeah. Let's see. And this Uh, was back when there weren't many pharmacies in these uh, small towns. So you knew. Just an independent. Yeah. So you knew if, if they were writing it, it was going to end up at this spot. Yeah. Right. And so the, the problems that, you know, I know the pharmaceutical industry ran into probably about 10 years ago was the fact that you might have a doctor, like say in Gastonia, North Carolina, Uh But their pharmacy is in Hickory because they drove to see a specialist an hour away yes. for a certain reason because yes. that's the insurance. And so they'd go back to Hickory, and if I hadn't gone to that pharmacy, yeah. it was like it never happened. Yeah, you know. But yeah. back back then, it seemed as if the the good thing was there were fewer pharmacies. Yeah, and so you knew, okay, if I hit all three of these pharmacies, I've covered that's every right. point of entry. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and so yeah, but <laughs> it's so funny that even back then. I heard that all the time. Oh yeah, we've written a ton of this and I'm looking in the sample closet and the samples are still sitting there Still sitting. and the pharmacies haven't seen anything. And so you kind of sit there and you kind of think to yourself, okay, how am I going to call a doctor out on their, on their BS, Uh you know? And so you you start thinking, you're like, okay, should I come with this approach? Should I have the come to Jesus moment? You just, um, so it's funny that it was that was happening forty years ago. It's just the the industry is the exact same as far as yeah. uh, what doctors are trying to you know blow and, smoke. And, but and, and also at the end of, uh, of my career, they had DDD uh, data. Okay. And uh, what, what does the DDD stand uh, for? DDD picks up all. Well, in the end, they picked up all prescriptions. Okay. They actually picked up all prescriptions. So you had, you had data back in the 70s. Yeah, and okay. also <clears throat> they had the physician, the one who prescribed it. So uh, in the bonuses, we were paid bonus as to our physicians, uh, what they prescribed, mm-hmm. okay? And they used the DDD data. You know, they, the company didn't walk in and say, hey, is um, Ray O'Kelly a good rep? And does he... Uh, get along with his doctors or whatever, and um, you could see it in in, in, in hard print. Mm-hmm. So um, that was a that was a a way that uh, I would I could prove my value to the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so.
All right. So the the data. When? How did they calculate the data? Uh, and how, they, and they got it. They they bought it. Okay. They bought it from the from the pharmacies. That's interesting because I I was under the impression that the data from pharmacies kind of started in the late '90s. But you're saying this was all the way back in the '70s. Mm-hmm. The companies were gathering that. I mean, it's pretty innovative when you think about it. That that back then they were figure some company figured out a way to sell data back mm-hmm. to companies in order yeah. to. Well, I I think maybe moving forward of the '70s mm-hmm. uh, later on it be it became it started out <clears throat> the ph- physician was queried. By the data company, mm-hmm. like what what drug do you prescribe routinely, or, or this or that, uh, and the, they had direct feedback from the physician. But uh, later on, it gradually turned over to uh, uh, direct drug data. I think it was called, but it was DDD, uh, and. They, they didn't need to talk to a physician. The physician's data is in bold print, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Um, going back before that, when did the modern pharmaceutical sales industry begin? I, th- I think with, <clears throat> with uh, the, big, the big drugs, uh, Valium and Librium, uh, they were both uh, uh, Eli Lilly drugs, mm-hmm. uh, and also um, uh, Roche Laboratories uh, with Clonopin. And uh, did I say did I say Darvine with Lilly? Mm-hmm. No, I, Lilly was Darvine. So that was in the '60s, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. 1965 was Darvine. Yeah. And uh, I'll talk about, I have a connection to Darvon. I don't know if you knew that. Oh. The company, so when I worked, went to work for Xanadine, they were uh, underneath the Darvon Darvaset lawsuit. Oh. oh. And so I remember, I think it was 1965, Darvon hit the market. Uh-huh. And for 30 years, everything was great. And then all of a sudden, people were, hearts were exploding. Uh-huh. And that's basically, yeah. they realized, yeah. oh, wait a minute. Every time somebody takes Darvon or Darvaset, uh-huh. people are having heart issues. Yeah. And then they realize there's a direct correlation. And so Lily sold the, sold the drug, I believe, to Xanadine. And then Xanadine, unknowingly, was part of this lawsuit. Oh. Um, but, wow. um, yeah, it's interesting. So that was, you know, you mentioned Darvon. But, so you think the 60s was when the modern pharmaceutical industry started? Because I know there was obviously, you know, guys with leather satchels and 30s and the twenties yeah. and thirties were walking, oh, yeah. you know, I know that, but I'm yeah. talking about the right. modern where company cars, commissions, wearing suits, uh, you know, very yeah. professional. Right. Exactly. Was that the sixties? Uh, I would say, um, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, the late sixties. Um, the late 60s, I would, I, would, I would think. So when you're working at Robbins, this is still a new industry. Yeah. This is still, um, I mean, did you have any physicians that were already tired of seeing 
reps or was everybody kind of excited? Uh, there weren't that many reps. Okay. Well, that's good. Honest? Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, we had, I had the, uh, Robitussin line, mm -hmm. uh, and Dorsey had the, uh, uh, it was so insignificant. I've forgotten the name. Of it. <laughs> uh, the, so how many reps would, how many reps do you think were out there? Did you ever, did you see reps daily, weekly, uh, monthly, it, you know, it, going it, into the it, same offices? Yeah. And it, in the final analysis, it became crowded. Mm -hmm. Like, um, later on, you mean? Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. The, uh, receptionist said, well, we've th seen three today and that's our limit or whatever, you know? Uh, and so, uh, knowing that it's their limit. We got to them earlier than the other reps. Exactly. And put it on the schedule. Yep. All that data was in there. Mm -hmm. And we, we'd know to get in early. Be one of those first three. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, I, I kind of, it, it's very interesting to talk about. Uh, you you would, uh, you'd find out that everything slowed down at this point in the day for the doctor. Mm -hmm. And that's when we would come in. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you ca you caught them early or late, but of course, record keeping uh, really helped, even myself. Uh, oh, oh, that's right, Dr. Mayo, uh, he, he sees you uh, right at the end of patients mm -hmm. in the morning. I have that. And that becomes a part of my schedule. Uh, so, uh, and you have to know, like some physicians at the end of the day, you could walk in, just they, they weren't seeing patients because they didn't see patients or on a slow day. They wouldn't see patients all day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they, they had to do a lot of charting and oh, yeah. a lot more dictation. So, yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's, there is a fundamental right time mm -hmm. and a wrong time to see mm -hmm. a physician or a buyer yeah. or anybody you're trying to. And, um, you, you know, the, the, the office staff can help mm -hmm. because they say, well, you know, he, he, they really don't see any reps. I said, well, what, do reps bring in lunches? And they said, yeah, oh, yeah. And they said, well, does the physician come in to have lunch with him? Oh, yeah. And I said, can you schedule me <laughs> a lunch? Yeah. <laughs> so what was your, what were your budgets like? Did you have a budget or could you just? Well, we, we had a budget. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, it, uh, it was pretty liberal. Uh, mm -hmm. Because everybody was doing lunches. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, to the point where the office staff was telling us what not to order for them. <laughs> like, like <laughs> no pizza, no, no hamburgers, n no sandwiches. Mm. And, and so. I tell you, it's funny. The, the, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh -huh. It still yeah. happens today. It's you that. get handed a list. Like these are the places we order from. And you know, here's a list of oh, all our yeah. dietary right. restrictions sure. and you kind of roll your eyes, but I mean, uh -huh. shoot, I mean, if this, this is 40 years of the same human behavior, yeah. which is interesting that, you know, if you're listening now, buyers really don't change a lot. 
you know, their needs might change, but, mm -hmm. but the psychology, human behavior behind it mm -hmm. is the exact same as it was 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's probably going to be the same as it was, it is 40 years from now. Right. Um, so you're scheduling all these lunches and um, there's no help digitally. I mean, I, I talk about the fact that in sales, we're living in the greatest era of sales ever mm -hmm. because we have supercomputers in our hand. We have apps galore. We have ways of communicating with thousands of people that you never had. Yeah. You know, I remember as a little kid, you used to have those roll of quarters in the cars because oh, yeah. you had to go to pay phones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, I, I don't, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a single pay phone in the country today. Right. They're just gone. But I remember, right. you know, even as a kid, they were all, pay phones were everywhere. Yeah. Were everywhere because people, that was how you made phone calls. Yeah. So, when I was in, uh, uh, didn't mean to interrupt you yeah. there, but I was in Charlottesville, and uh, should I go over Afton Mountain to, to uh, get to Waynesboro, or even up to Harrisonburg, uh, and the quarters, drop a quarter. Oh no, he's on vacation all week. Okay, and then, uh, no, he had a, a death in the family, he's not in... I saved myself a lot because of course you called ahead. Yeah. Yeah. You, you called ahead and didn't waste your time. Didn't just exactly. show up. Oh, exactly. And, uh, that is the, you know, the preparation and the planning. Sure. Um, you sure. know, I mean, it's, know. Mm -hmm. it's not shocking that you were, you know, a sales award winner, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, because of all the preparation, the process that you had, but, yeah. uh, it definitely is just, you know, the follow follow up. Um, this is going to be the end of part one. Okay. Uh, so we'll, we'll continue later. So, uh, thank you to everybody who's listened to part one. We'll have part two will be released shortly. Uh, and, and we'll extend, you know, this is just the beginning of, of my father's career. He's going to talk more about the large expansion of the outside sales world, especially the boom of the eighties, which for a lot of businesses out there, a lot of industries, this was when 401k started to get rolled out. This is when uh, a lot of money got pumped into the markets. And this is where, you know, we're, we're, we've gotten through the seventies. We've gotten through a lot of the financial crises of the seventies. And now it's the real boom of the industry. And we're going to talk about that on episode number two. Thank you so much for listening. Please download, share, like, and, uh, we will see you next time. Thanks.